All right, let's get into the Word. Psalms chapter 103, we've been doing a series, and I'm jumping off our last series. We have been talking about Thanksgiving, the power of Thanksgiving in your life. Today I'm going to launch a new series over the next few weeks from the ending. I love how the Lord works this out. He'll place on my heart to continue, but change it a little bit. And so Psalms 103, if you have your Bibles, you can see it on the screen or look at your Bible. We're going to read out the Amplified Translation. It says, bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul. Don't you love that song we sing at the end? Praise the Lord, O my soul. That, that is one of my favorite songs. And I, again, I've mentioned this before. I think it's so important for us to realize that praise is just not a sound or a song, but it is a sound that comes from within us. It's also an expression. It's a sacrifice. The Bible says to offer up the sacrifice of praise. And I think it's so important for us to understand that one of the things I would encourage you when you praise the Lord, when you come into the house or when you're spending time praising God, for it to be a sacrifice, it needs to be not only something you're doing, it needs to be something that's the, that you don't do for anybody else. Think of that for a while. If you, if you clap louder out in the world than you do in the house, that's not praise. If you shout louder out there for a ball game, and I'm not against shouting for a ball game, I'm not against clapping for people in the world or at games or sporting events. I love sports. But if our loudest expression is out there, so I like to say it this way, I like to hold back something that I only do for God in praise. That I won't do at a basketball game. I won't do at a Cardinal game. Come on, somebody. I won't do when my, my football team just got a touchdown. I'll celebrate them, but I'll never celebrate them at the level of my praise that belongs to God. Keep that in your mind. We'll come back to it. Blessed and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deep within me. Bless his holy name. Blessed and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Who forgives all our sins, who heals all our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit, who crowns us loving, lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies our years with good things so that our youth is renewed like the soaring eagle. That's a lot of good stuff there. Let me do that again. Who what? Forgive. Say, I'm forgiven. Who heals? Say, I'm healed. Now that's a benefit. Who redeems our life from the pit, say, I'm free. I'm free. Who crowns us with, lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercy. You're loved, say, I'm loved. I'm loved. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the soaring eagle, say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Come on, say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But today, and we're going to take the next few weeks and cover these, but today I want to focus on this phrasing here. We're going to back up to the verse 2. Blessed and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. I think it's interesting for David to, the psalmist to write, do not forget. And the reason he would put emphasis on do not forget is, logically, we have a human tendency to forget. God doesn't want us to forget. But there's a human tendency in life to... I came across, I, uh, 
was sitting having breakfast with my wife the other day, and I set my phone down, and it popped up on memories. And oh, we'll hit that. We'll, just, we'll watch some of these videos. You know what I mean? It's amazing what iPhone will do. Create all kinds of videos of pictures of years gone by. And as it started to show these different locations and places and events that we've done and memories or whatever, it, it brought back some things that I had forgotten. Oh, I remember that. Have you ever done that? You go through, back in the day, we'd have a scrapbook or a photo album. Nowadays, you just look on your phone. But when you go back and you look at it, you can remember where you've been. And, oh, I forgot about that. Isn't that amazing? I remember when we went to that vacation. I remember when that happened. Oh, that was a funny event. And we're reminded. It's, it's a human nature thing to forget. But God, say God, does not want me to forget. Come on, say God does not want me to forget. His benefits. Because in the journey of life, in the duration of life, in the challenges or attacks of life, in the rhythm of life, we can get hit in life by the enemy or general, just in life in general, and we can forget. Jesus said, in this world you'll deal with trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome. See, God has overcome. Say, Jesus has overcome. And he wants me to be happy about that. That means, why would God want you to be happy about that? Because if he overcame, victory belongs to you. 1 John 5, 4. Victory by faith. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Say, victory is mine. Do not forget. Do not forget. Do not forget any of his benefits. Look to your neighbor and say, don't forget. I'm reminded of the parable of, that Jesus told one day of the prodigal son. And there was a rich man that had two sons, and one said to him, Father, I want all my inheritance now. And so the father gave him his inheritance, and he left the kingdom or the realm or the place or the house of his father. He decided, I'm not going to do it my father's way. I'm going to do it and make my own way. And he went out, and after the money had been spent, after partying had been done, after people had recognized he ran out of cash, all of a sudden there was nobody, and he was left alone. And we know the story that he finds himself that no one would even hire him except for a person to feed the swine, which is pigs which is a horrible job, but especially if you're Jewish, it's a whole nother level. Because he began to feed what at one time he wouldn't even touch. He was in the lowest part. Now, a lot of times in that parable, it's taught as when you hit the bottom, that's when you're going to wake up. But that didn't wake him up. He was awakened when he remembered who his father was. He was awakened when he remembered who his father was. He was awakened when he remembered. He was awakened when he remembered. What the enemy tries to do is to get us to forget. Now, the Bible says in the King James that he came to himself and said, why do I sit here? We talked a little bit about this last week. Why do I sit here feeding, my sw- feeding these swine and going hungry where I, would, I, I was wanting to eat what they were eating? When my father is so generous that he, that he takes so good care of his employees that they 
have more than enough. Not just my father has more than enough. Those who are associated with my father have more than enough. Those who are around my father have more than enough. He is so generous that just being connected to him, they have more. They don't have their needs met. They, they have more than enough. His problem was that he was dealing with lack. And because in his position of lack, in the situation, he was awakened, reminded who his father was. Now, I think if it was a different situation, there'd be a different memory of his father. But in this particular situation, it was very specific. He was hungry. He didn't have food because he didn't have money. He was out of money. But he was reminded how generous and blessed his father was. What, what does that tell you? He said, I am not going to stay here. I'm going to rise up and go to my father and let him know that I have blown it. I'm repenting. I don't deserve to be your son. Make me, just make me a servant. Let me just be somewhat connected to you. Because he knew that the father was so generous that being connected to the father, even if it wasn't in the inner circle, just being associated by business, just by an employee, he was going to come out ahead. He understood the generosity nature of his father that because I'm in lack, I don't even have to be a son. I don't deserve to be a son. I'll just be an employee and I will still be better than where I'm at today. Because my father is so blessed. And we know the story that when he got up, when he stood up and began to walk toward the father, the father heard that, hey, the son's coming, and he went out to meet him, and he said, Father, I have sinned between, heaven, between you and heaven, and I am made of some bad decisions. I have made some mistakes. You know, we call it in the Bible, repenting. You know, in, in this day and age, in some church circles, they tell you that you don't need to repent anymore. Literally, they said it don't matter. You, you had an affair, committed adultery on Saturday. That's okay. You don't need to repent. God's already taken care of it. Just come to church on Sunday. They call that the grace doctrine, but that's not grace at all. Did you hear me? That's not grace at all. Has the blood of Jesus already paid the price for all sins, past, present, and future? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that we can, that we need to go through the process of I'll just live any way I want and it's already taken care of. I don't need to repent. I would remind anybody who's ever heard that teaching to challenge everything, like even today, challenge everything with the word of God. Don't take my word for it. Don't take anybody's word for it. What does the Bible say? Well, First John 1, 9 says that if there's sin, then you need to repent, confess your sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness see sin not only messes you up it removes you from what rightfully belongs to you the son recognized that he had a disconnect between what was the father's and what he had he had access to because as a son what belongs to the father belongs to him maybe not in your household I was talking to a young adult, and I said, okay, Jeremy, we were just brainstorming. I was trying to help him out. I said, hey, have you thought about, Jeremy, your age, maybe start looking toward getting a house? And he said, you know what? My plan is my parents are going to die one day, and I'm going to get their house. I said, well, okay, that's a plan. That's a plan. That's your plan. That'll work if that's what you want to do. Might move them along a little bit. Some of you are wondering, was, was, I, was, was he talking to, to my kid? No. 
But even in the parable, the other son came, and the father said, don't you realize that it's important that we celebrate because your younger brother, my son, he was dead, now he's alive. And he said, he goes, but you haven't given me anything. He said, but don't you realize that all that I have belongs to you? See, the one, they both were, were sons that had their own challenges within the relationship of the father. But even the, but the prodigal knew what belonged to the father he had access to. But sin had caused a disconnect. And he had forgotten who he was in the midst of the swine. Sin will cause you to forget who you are in the midst of the swine. In the midst of the battle. In the midst of the storm. The disciples say, Lord, don't you care that we're about to drown? And Jesus, they awakened him and rebuked the wind and spoke peace to the waters. And if you look at the text, literally, it's like he was saying, why did you wake me up for that? Why did you wake me up? They had for, basically he was saying, why didn't you take care of this problem? I've given you authority. And when we get hit with the battles of life, we can forget his benefits. The son, back to the prodigal, the prodigal said, I have to go back. And he repented. And for anybody who tells you you don't have to repent, that's the pre-church, pre-Christian experience. Once you've repented to get saved, you never have to repent again. Let me also remind you of not only 1 John 1, 9, let me remind you of Revelation chapters 2 and 3, where Jesus is talking to the churches and telling them, each one of them, this is what you've doing well, this is the area you need to repent. Repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is like getting things back into alignment. Can you imagine if, if you're driving down the road and you, you bought a real nice expensive car and someone says, man, I can see your car is out of alignment. Oh, no, it's not out of alignment. It's a premium car. No, but it's out of alignment. No, no, that's, that's an expensive car. It never gets out of alignment. No, it, it's out of alignment. Does it pull when you let go of the steering wheel? Yeah, but it's a, it never gets out of alignment. Right, right, right. See, some of us forget. Repentance doesn't mean you're a bad person. Repentance means there's something out of alignment. And you can spend the rest of your journey fighting the alignment problem and struggling, down, struggling in the, the road of life. Or you could say, all right, Father, what is out of alignment? Is there something out of alignment? Is there something out of alignment? Is there something out of alignment? Because when we learn to get things back into alignment, things begin to change. Can I get an amen? The path gets a little smoother. It doesn't mean you don't deal with storms. But some of us are like, oh, I'm dealing with the battle. You've been dealing with the same battle for 30 years. Maybe, it's, maybe we need to rethink. Maybe there's something out of alignment. Doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. But it's okay to get things in alignment. Doesn't mean that car is not of great value, that you didn't spend a lot of money on it. It doesn't have great, you can't, doesn't mean you can't sell it for a lot of money. It just means right now you must have hit a pothole in the journey of life and you've moved something out of alignment. Don't be upset when the Holy Spirit convicts your heart with the Word of God that you need to make things right or get things changed. That just means He wants you to get things in alignment. It's for your benefit. Have you ever driven a car that's out of alignment? Just let go just for a second. 
But when you get it in alignment, you can steer it with just a finger. Because it's in alignment. Repentance is just getting things in alignment. Do not forget any of his benefits. That means that we have to get things in alignment. What's one of the first thing, and we'll just we'll stop at that one. Do not forget any of his benefits. What is the first thing? Don't forget he's what? He has forgiven you of all your sins. You're forgiven. Say, I'm forgiven. Come on, shout, I'm forgiven. You know, we talk it, we know it mentally, but some of us aren't living the way, the life that God has for us, because in the back of our minds, we don't really believe that we're forgiven. Show me somebody who struggles forgiving others, and I'll show, somebody, show you somebody who doesn't really believe they're forgiven. Because if you're forgiven... The Bible says, if, you, if God's forgiven you, then we're, we should be able to forgive. Well, they did me wrong. Yeah, but you did some wrong stuff yourself. Shout, I'm forgiven. I'm praying when you walk out of this place today that you'll not have to live under condemnation. You don't have to live under guilt. You don't have to live out of, I know bad things are going to happen to me because of my past. I'm going to tell you whom the Son is set free is free indeed. He has cleansed you as high as the heavens are from the earth. So is his love towards you. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed your sins from you. Are you listening to me today? Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walks not after after the flesh but after the spirit i'm telling you, you are free you are forgiven don't forget it don't forget it hang on to that when the devil says see you're a sinner don't let people in the religious world tell you i'm just a sinner saved by grace that is not in alignment with the word of god we have to get back our thinking into alignment we got to get our confession our words that we speak back into alignment we got to get what we do back into alignment you don't have to figure it out you just have to be available and say lord if there's something out of alignment in this area of my life show me show me it's like that little thing you can stick in a car in it will give you a report. The things you don't see that it recognizes out of alignment. Quit trying to figure it out. I could never fix a car on my own, but I need to trust somebody to do the work. I'm saying trust the Holy Spirit. Lord, show me in your word. If there's something in this area of your benefit that I am out of alignment, show me. Because God doesn't want you walking around thinking you are a sinner that is saved by grace. He wants you to walk around knowing according to his word. Are you, am I talking to somebody? That behold, all things are new. That you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you wake up and someone says, oh, you just think you're just righteous, you better believe it because it's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about him. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. You are a new creation in him. Behold, all things are new. You are a part of a new family. Hallelujah. You are a citizen of a new kingdom. Hallelujah. You are an ambassador with a new job. Hallelujah. You are not second rate, third rate, overlooked, forgotten, messed up, torn up, dirty, shattered, and dis you are the child of the Most High God. You are son and daughter of the Most High God. Do not forget his benefits. You're forgiven. See, I'm forgiven. 
say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Come on, take a few more seconds. You, your life's worth more than that. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you that I am clean. Thank you that I'm not a sinner saved by grace. Thank you that I don't have to walk and live with the rags that I came out of that pen. The prodigal son came back to his father and said, I repent. And he said, just make me a servant. Make me an employee. Because I know you are so good that employee is going to be better than where I come from. The devil's tactic is to convince you to, sec to settle for second-rate best. The enemy's tactic is to get you convinced that the job you have is only the job that God will give you. The enemy's tactic is to convince you that to where you are in life is the best it will ever be. The enemy's tactic is to tell you no one that you've known in the past has ever got any farther. You've done good. You should just be happy with that. But I'm here to tell you that our God is a glass ceiling breaker. Our God is a history maker. Our God will do the impossible. He'll take the foolish things of the world and confess the wise. He'll take people that can't do it on their own. He'll take a man out of a desert and make him a champion. He'll, be, he'll do the impossible with anyone who's willing to say, God, I want to do it your way. I won't forget where I've come from. I might have made mistakes, but I have repented, and I am no longer who I was. I am a new creature, a new creation, a new son and daughter of the Most High God. If that sounds like you, take next 10 seconds and give him a praise. Hallelujah, we're going somewhere today. We're going somewhere today. We are stepping out of the pig's pen. And we are stepping into the place that our father has for us. The father turned to him and said, no, 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 no. You're alive now. Hallelujah. He said that to the brother, right? Your son, I mean, my son, your brother once was dead. Now he's alive. Where the, where the prodigal saw himself from a place and perspective of death, the father's perspective was a place and perspective of life. Let me say that again. The, the prodigal son's perspective was from a position, a perspective of death. He came from the view of what he had done wrong. He came from the view of where he had been. He came from the view of what he deserved. The father's perspective and position was not from a place of death, but place of life. You say, but I came from death. Yeah, but he's the God of resurrection life. Jesus told Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It was a position of life based on not what he, the prodigal son had done, but who the father is. Come on, somebody. The devil has raked some of us over the coals. He has beat, knocked our teeth out. Why? Because he kept us in the perspective, in the view of who we were based on what we have done. But I'm here to tell you that the Father we serve, the God of glory, the creator of heaven and earth, and his name is Jesus. He said that there is only one good, and that's our heavenly Father. There is none good but one. And he doesn't say, I'm taking you where you're at, and you're going to live with the stains of where you've been. You're going to live with the scars of what you done no he says come on up a little higher hey come on up a little higher let me take you out of death 
I'm going to bring you into a place called life. Why would it be so good to you? Why would it be so generous to you? Why could it be so kind to you? Because you're like, I need to live with the scars of my past. And God said, no, my son took a different scar. Oh, hallelujah. He took a different scar. And there's scars on the imprints of his hand. His body has been glorified. But the Bible says after the resurrection, he went to him and said, Thomas, I know you've been doubting, but my mercy is still good enough to show up. Most people would have rejected you for doubting. But let me just encourage you a little. See, see the side. See where they cut it. See my handprints. See, see the holes in my feet. Why? Because everything was glorified. But the scars of the crucifixion will remain. Why? It's a sign to you and I that the Father we serve, that the God we worship, that the one we call our Savior, that the one who's creator of heaven, he is so good. He doesn't invite you to a place of what you qualify for. He invites you to a place of what he has purchased for you. Am I talking to somebody? You're no longer allowed to be a second-rate citizen. You're no longer to be a husband. You're no longer to be broken and reassembled. You are a new creation. You are blessed. You are healed. And you are also forgiven. If that's you, give him praise. Let the devil know. Let the devil know. Yesterday was the last day. He's going to remind you of where you've been. The father said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow you to be a servant. You are a son. I'm repositioning you. I'm bringing you back. I am so glad and thankful for the mercy of God. Because you might have sinned, but most of us, we've sinned more than once. We don't live in sin, but in growing in this thing called our walk with God, we will have sin. But he is still faithful. He's still faithful. Let me brag on my Jesus for a little bit. He is still faithful. He is so faithful. When nobody else is faithful, he is faithful. When everybody turns their back on you, he is sticks closer than a brother. He is faithful. Oh, I hear that much. He is faithful. Shall you're faithful. He's faithful and just. And the father said, nope, that's not what we're going to do. And he talked to the servants and said, put on new shoes. Put on a new robe. Put on a new ring. Put on a ring. All representing something amazing and benefits. What was he saying? I'm not seeing you and addressing you based on where you were. I address you based on who I am. When we wake up, the devil will remind you who you were. But that's when you got to begin to speak the word. Just like Jesus did and said, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. No condemnation. I reject condemnation. For the word says there is therefore now no condemnation. Hallelujah. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Say, no more condemnation. Now listen, if you are still living in sin, you need to repent. I'm not saying live in sin and just say no no condemnation. No, that's not condemnation. That's conviction. But when you've made things right, hallelujah. When you made things right and the devil tries to keep telling you you're wrong, You say, but I don't feel right. There's days you won't feel right. That's why Romans 10 says, we're not moved by what we feel here or see. We're moved by the word of God. There's days you won't feel God. I just feel like he's rejected me. No, the Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. There's a place in your walk with God that you got to begin to say, I don't care what I feel. I know what by faith the word says. (laughs) See, when you fight the enemy in the realm of emotions, you lose. Oh, you, you, 
how do you feel today? Well, what's it matter what I feel? What's the truth say? Well, I'm just saying the, I'm just saying the truth. No, you're speaking facts, but you're not speaking truth. For, for if you continue my word, Jesus said, then you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I decree freedom over your life in the name of Jesus. Did you hear me? Now, that might be strange for some, but that's okay. It's, but it's for those who want to receive it. Did you hear me? Let me do it again. I decree freedom over your life in the name of Jesus. Freedom from that condemnation. Freedom from that guilt. Freedom of that past. Some of you are like, man, I've repented so many times. I don't know what else to do. I'll tell you what to do. Rise up. And forget not all his benefits. Because a son didn't earn it. Come on, somebody. A son doesn't qualify for it. Come on, somebody. That was somebody else's job. It was the job of the father. The father qualified. The father provided. The father paid for it. The father, he paid for it on the cross of Calvary. And so when we approach him and say, Lord, I'm going to worship you. And I choose not to forget. I'm, I'm reminded how good you are. That you are faithful. And you are just. And you have forgiven me. And you have cleansed me. And you've called me your son or daughter. You have called me your child. You've called me the righteousness of God. When you wake up, you do that over a process of time. All of a sudden, your perspective will change. That's why Romans Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be, oh, you guys know the word. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. The renewing of your mind will happen over the process of time, but the reality of what's available to you is immediate. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I'm getting back into giving him thanks and praising him for who he is because he is my Savior. Don't let anything convince you that you're worthless. Amen. Don't let anyone convince you that you don't have value. But I don't fit in with that group. And find a different group. Some of us will spend our whole lives trying to fit in a group that don't even care about you and God never called you to be anyway. You're not going to be a part of it. Maturity is saying, okay, I love them. They're going to be a different tribe. I'm going to go find. God had 12 tribes. Sometimes your mama's church is not the tribe for you. I want, a, I want a tribe that believes the word. I want a tribe, come on somebody. I want a tribe that believes I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and I'm forgiven. I want a tribe that doesn't tell me I'm going to live in sin every day. I want a tribe that tells me I can live free from sin. Are you listening? I want a tribe that tells me when I'm fighting sickness that I am the healed by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24. I want a tribe that tells me, listen, he's blessed you. You don't have to live with poverty and being second rate. He's called you to be a blessing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want a tribe that doesn't tell me all the bad things I've been, but all the good things God calls me. That you are the apple. Are you, you are the apple of God's eye. Do not forget all his benefits. Do not forget. I got to remind myself. We got to remind ourselves. We got to remind ourselves. You know, with the weather changing, one of the things that, that I typically do in my house is I kind of monitor the temperature of the house. You know, you get busy and you forget. And in St. Louis, it happens because the weather changes all the time. Twenty degrees in the morning, eighty degrees by lunchtime. What do you do with that? 
But have you ever done this? Now, they got equipment that will kind of figure the range. Yeah, so don't come up and give me a link to buy something. Just stay with my story. But in the process of when I notice something change, that's what I notice I have to make the change. Oh, let me say that again. Someone needs to type that out because I won't remember that later. When I notice something changes, or there's a change, then I notice then I have to make a change. So I'll go to the thermostat and say, wow, that's feeling hot. Or man, that's feeling cold. What's the temperature? Oh, I forgot to turn on the heat because yesterday was 80. Don't want the heat on at 80, but now it's 43. Turn the heat on at 43. Now, I know some of you have yet to turn the heat on. Some of you are still working with some firewood outside and blowing it through the windows because you're just being cheap. That's between you and Jesus, okay. But I go over to the thermostat and I begin to make the change. And the moment I make the change, I don't have to think about it anymore. I begin to walk away from it because I know that the process has started. Are you staying with me? <clears throat> The moment the process starts, I hear things changing. I know the environment is going to change because I have set the assignment for the environment. Come on, come on. See, some of us are crying because you'll go to the thermostat and you'll change it. Oh, I need some heat. And you'll sit there and say, I'm still cold. This thing's not working. You understand? Once you've initiated it, you don't have to stare at it. You just can go on with your day because you have started the process. What am I telling you? You might not be feeling him. You might be feeling that you're second rate. You might be feeling down, busted, disgusted. But I'm telling you, stand up, begin to praise him. Begin to walk around and change the environment of your world. And when you do it, you don't have to wait and see if your emotions line up. You don't have to because he inhabits the praises. The Bible says he inhabits the praises. He inhabits the praises. What am I doing? I'm opening the door. I'm giving an opportunity for the presence of God to show up. I don't need to wait for an emotional confirmation. I have the truth of his word. He inhabits the praises. And when his presence shows up, things are changing. Are you listening to me? Things are changing. Drive down the road in your car. Begin Turn off the radio. Turn off the audio book. Turn off whatever and just begin to praise them. Lord, I thank you. This is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you. I'm going into work and I got some meetings to deal. I thank you that you are you are the God of more than enough. I thank you, Father, you've given me divine favor with Begin to give him. Initiate. Well, if God wants it to happen, it happen. No, you have to initiate. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not. What is he saying? Bless him so you don't forget. And when you do forget, get back to blessing him. Don't forget. But if you do forget, get back to blessing him. If you do forget, we'll pray that something is said, something is done. The Spirit of God will awaken you to remind you like the prodigal. I don't have to stay here. I don't belong here. Why do I live in depression? When the Bible says that I have the mind of Christ. Well, that's good for Sundays. That will not make me shout on Sundays. But we got to deal with the practical on Monday. I'm telling you that the spiritual overrides the practical. If you can learn to activate this. For the, in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm telling you, you can begin to let it come out of your mouth with the depths of your heart. When you don't feel it, when you don't see it in the natural, and begin to say, I'm blessing you. Not because I see it, not because I feel it. I'm blessing you because who you are. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord. In closing, I remember many years ago, you could be seated, many years ago, I had just bought my first house, and this house had a, had a bunch of trees and bushes that needed to be cut down, and so I re recruited the help of my father, not that he was going to do it, but he had all the tools. So, hey, Dad, can I get your help? Sure, son, what do you need? I need your ladder. I need your chainsaw. Come on, somebody. I need you to help me just... And so I came to this one branch on this tree. It wasn't a big branch. I'm not cutting down giant trees. I don't know how to cut down trees. So I operated the level of my faith. Come on, somebody. I like to call them, or the world calls them, weeds. No, I'm joking. It's a little bigger than weed. So there's this, this branch coming off the tree. It was a horizontal branch. And it was coming toward the, the garage, and I knew it was going to eventually grow and it'd be dangerous, so I wanted to cut it down. I didn't like it. So I got this, his ladder, I mean, tall ladder. I'm probably eight, ten feet in the air. His chainsaw, he's holding the ladder. And I'm examining this branch to cut it because, you know, you want to make sure it falls correctly. I don't want to be under it. I don't want to be to the side of it. I don't want to fall on me, yada, yada, yada. And so I'm cutting this branch of this tree, it was probably about that big, it wasn't huge, and I'm cutting it carefully, I've analyzed this, I've looked at it, I've discussed it with my dad, and I'm cutting this branch, and one of the things that I learned that day, you can learn, my dad used to say you can learn two ways, from your own experiences or the experiences of others, that day I learned from my own experience, you say, what did you learn? I learned that branches and trees can grow with a tension in them. That'll preach. See, getting into the alignment of God removes that tension. Some Christians, there's just no joy. Why? Because they, they're trying to live for the Lord, but they're living, and from the outside it looks normal, but on the inside there's tension twisting. And so I'm cutting this branch, and I didn't know that there was tension within the, the branch. And as I'm cutting it, I come to the end, and it did something I didn't expect. It shot back at me. True story. Hit me in the head. I remember this like it was yesterday. Because when you, when you have this experience, you tend to recall them quickly. And so it hit me in the head. And I remember hanging onto the ladder. And I remember blood just pouring down my face. And I'm feeling like I'm about to pass out. I'm hanging on. Felt like I was going to fall off. I didn't expect it, didn't see it coming, I'm hurting, I'm bleeding, and out of the silence of the moment, I heard the wisdom of my father, and he yells, don't drop my chainsaw, true story, forget me falling 10 feet on my head, 
Forget the blood dripping down my face. Forget the pain and being caught off guard. Don't drop the chainsaw. <laughs> That's just my family. You got to know my family. We laugh at the worst jokes of our situations. We get more people that can be offended. But let me close with this thought. In times of life, you might be, the devil might catch you off guard. I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect that. Ephesians chapter 6 calls it a fiery dart. A dart that not only hits you and you feel the blow, but it, the flames tend to linger. In those moments, it'll, it'll redirect us. We won't know which way is north. We won't know which way is south. We won't know which way is up. We won't know what to do. It'll catch us off guard. But if God forbid you're ever in a battle, don't let go of what God's put in your hands. Don't let go of what the Father's put in your hands. Forget not his benefits. Forget not his benefits. You might be bleeding. You might be hanging on for one last breath. But don't ever let go of the word of God. Do not forget his benefits. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe when I was talking today, you felt like that's me. I need to get things in alignment. I need to get things right. I need to live my life for the Lord. Maybe there's things that the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you about and you have yet to surrender. Forget not his benefits. Revelation 3, Jesus said to the church, I, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This might be the first time you've heard the gospel. The God so loved the world that the world was already in sin and condemnation and he sent Jesus to die on the cross to be a, live a sinless life. For our, to take our sins upon himself who died on the cross for the third day, rose again so that we could have life. Forgiveness impacts eternity, where you spend heaven or hell. Forgiveness impacts your life on this earth. Forgiveness brings you in the presence of God. Forgiveness is a great thing, and it's available. You're not a second-rate citizen. You are a child of the Most High God, if you're saved. If you're out of alignment, you're struggling. There's tension. But today we're going to deal with that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If your heart's not right with God, let that prayer come from your heart. Mean, mean it. Don't take this lightly. Say with me, Heavenly Father. Come on, say, Heavenly Father. I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship 
with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now look up here. If you prayed that prayer, just so I know who I was praying with, and I also want to speak a blessing of your life. At the count of three, I want, you, I want you to do something. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. You don't have to come down here. I just want you to stand to your feet. Two things that's going to do. Number one, you're letting us know, hey, I prayed that prayer. So we can celebrate with you. Now, if, if you're like, I don't like standing in front of people, I get it. I totally get it. But the tenacity for God is what we need in the, this modern-day church. Because if it's hard to stand up for Jesus in a room where people applaud you, how do we stand up for Jesus in a room in the world that's trying to talk us out of it? Number two, when you stand up, it'll not only be saying, I prayed that prayer, and I'm taking a stand for Jesus. Because how you start makes a big, big difference. You can't fly under the radar and say, I'm going to live for Jesus, but I'm going to keep it low. It doesn't work that way. You don't have to be weird. God doesn't want you to be weird. But you do have to be real. Number two, if you stand, it'll not only say that, hey, I accepted Jesus, but also I want to speak a blessing over your life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that we can be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, which means that God can give you supernatural strength on the inside of who you are. Not necessarily physical strength, but on the character and the person you are, so that you can live the life that He wants you to live, and be who He's called you to be, and do what He's called you to do, and have what He's called you to have and help those who he's called you to help. It's not getting to the place of just you being better. It's getting to the realization that I can't live without him to where he's called us. Amen? So two things. Stand up for Jesus. Number two, we're going to speak a blessing of your life. At the count of three, if you meant business, some of you are bold. You're going to stand quick. Like the dear sister, thank you. Some of you are going to... At the count of three. One, two, three. I'm standing for Jesus. Who am I talking to? Come on, church. Give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, church. Praise God. One, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Please stay standing. Eleven, twelve. Anybody else? Over here. Anybody else? Come on. Keep giving them a hand clap of praise. Angels are celebrating. Angels are celebrating. And two in the coffee house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's Two people in the coffee house standing up for Jesus. Stretch your hands toward them if you would. Father, we thank you for every person that's represented as a new life, welcoming them into the family of God. We thank you heaven is celebrating. We're celebrating this brand new start. And Lord, I thank you their sins are forgiven. We curse and bind every curse that's been assigned to them. Every demon has been assigned to them. We cancel that assignment. Every person that's been assigned to just do nothing but create havoc and destruction and strife and division, we curse and bind out of that circle of their life. And Lord, send the right people in their life. We thank you for their joy. We thank you for strength. We thank you for victory. We thank you for their salvation. They are new creations in Christ. So according to your word, Father, I ask that you strengthen them with might by your Holy Spirit on the inside. So that as they walk out of this place, they will stand strong. They will be strong. To live for you. To do what you called them to do. Strong against temptation. Strong against opposition. Strong to do what you've called them to do. And we thank you for that. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. 
God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Isn't that awesome, church? Now, if you prayed that prayer, let me be the first to say welcome to the family of God. Also, a few, three things that we want to kind of give to you to start off because we don't do this journey alone. Three things. Number one, get a Bible. Say, get a Bible. You need to have a Bible. Read it every day. Don't start at Genesis. Start at the Gospel of John. Just start reading. Just start developing. That's where you grow. That's, that's the spiritual food for your spiritual person. Number two, get a church. Say, get a church. Not any church will do. Not every church is, will do. We want you to be part of here. You get saved here, we want you to plug in here. Be a part. We have a place for everyone. We want you to volunteer. We want you to be a part. We want you to get to know other people. We want you to be there so they can encourage you and you can be there to encourage them. We work together. None of us are perfect. So don't come looking for perfect people. We're real people. Amen. But we all love Jesus. Amen. Number three, this is so important. Get a cause. Find somebody. Let the Lord place it. Not everybody, but somebody that you know in your circle that don't know Jesus, that you can invite them in church or tell them what the Lord is doing and pray with them, whatever, at your level of faith. You're like, I don't know if I can pray with somebody yet. That's fine. Bring them to church. But don't let it stay with you. When you let it stay with you, it's like a river that dries up. It's got to keep flowing. One of the things that hurts people, they've been in church so long, they stop reaching out to other people. And they dry up spiritually. Amen. Get a Bible, get a church, get a cause. But also, we want to let you, we want you to know we are here for you. But as churches do things differently, that's fine. This is how we do it, so you know. We don't chase people. We don't control people. We don't manipulate people. I'm not interested in that. You're not here for me. We're here to help you grow in the things of God. But we'll not chase you. I think that's a tactic of the enemy. If you want us to be a part of that, if you want us to reach out to you, pray with you, answer any questions, uh, freedom stand up. He's one of our care pastors. Also, Debbie's going to be in the information across the hallway. Uh, either one, go to him after service and say, hey, listen, I just gave my heart to the Lord. I want you guys to know. Or I, I need a Bible or I, whatever question you might have. And also, that's for if you're saved and been part of Hope Church and haven't volunteered yet. You're like, how do I volunteer? <clears throat> just reach out to Freedom. Say, hey, I want to get involved. We'll plug you in. We believe that everybody has a gift and a talent to make a difference, to be part of something bigger than themselves that makes a difference that lasts in eternity. Amen. 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 You know, I can't preach. We didn't ask you to preach. But there's things, everybody's got a skill and a gift. And we just want you to be, it connects you and allows you to flourish in the house of God. So that's so important. Whew. See, God is good.